Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Anna. And this is Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. We are back and late and sorry about that. We've both been quite ill with sort of very British autumnal colds. <laughs> yeah, like the temperature suddenly dropped in a very miserable way. In, I think it was on the first day of September. It was like, August is over, so's your summer, so's fun. Yes, it was exactly that. The 31st of August was a lovely bank holiday Monday. From then on, everything's just got bad, got worse. So how did you cope with your illness? What did you do? For the first sort of 36 hours or so, I just sort of tossed and turned and was generally very objectionable to all my loved ones who tried to help. I caught up on all of the, you know you, how you have like TV programs that are like your shows, even if you never tell anyone about them. These are my main shows. These are my main shows. So I caught up on some of my shows. So I caught up on Masters of Sex, which is actually nearing the end of its third season now. So I caught up on that. I caught up on the Bake Off and yeah, I can't remember what else, but and then just generally wasted a lot of time on YouTube, which now seems to be my default thing when I'm ill. Yeah. I watched about three full seasons of Keeping Up With The Cosmos <laughs> wow. in bed. Really old ones, which is great, but also you're just like, you're sat there like, I'm so pleased that Kim's getting her first perfume deal and everyone's like, what are you talking about? She's literally the most famous person on the planet. <laughs> but it is quite good fun. And like the family dynamics from that time are, are really fun to me. So. I've never watched a single episode. I'd recommend it. It's like, mm. it's exactly sort of what you would expect it to be. It's like very much just them all like arguing and it's quite clear that some of it is like completely fake so for example in an episode they like won't have a storyline for like kendall who's about 10 and they'll be they'll like buy her a puppy (laughs) that'll be the whole storyline like they work quite hard to like make stuff up yeah so that's been great fun getting some good kim quotes under my belt to like use at any given time Mm. productive now that we are back and before we got ill we did see and do some stuff that we're actually going to talk about on this podcast (laughs) the first thing being the film american ultra which i want to call like a number of things i'm always like american hustle or american sniper yeah like all these american american something seems to be actually i think we're going to talk about this a bit further in when about the kind of box office 
potential or not of this film mm. but um you kind of get the feeling that you know american hustle was a massive hit american sniper probably made loads of money let's call things american in the title and then people will go and see them anyway, people have heard of this great new country it's called america <laughs> <laughs> so this film i've seen it described as like a kind of stoner action film which seems yeah. fairly accurate um it stars jesse eisenberg and Kristen stewart and it's, I think, a relatively well-developed subgenre of the, the sort of spy action movie, right? Where the, the central character is a spy with amazing skills, but he doesn't know it. I feel like it's the born identity, but with more weed. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a fairly well-developed trope yeah. of, of this kind of movie at this point, isn't it? But there, there are a few twists and turns thrown in there about, um, you know, to what extent the life that he knows is real at all. Yeah. So so Jesse Eisenberg plays this guy who is introduced to you as a kind of classic stoner waster guy. Like he works night shifts at a convenience store. He lives in a tiny one horse town in Pennsylvania. I think Though he seems to, to have all the problems of being a stoner with like none of the lack of anxiety he's like yeah so tightly wound at all times and he has such terrible anxiety that anytime he tries to leave like he tries to take his girlfriend played by Kristen stewart on like a lovely romantic trip to hawaii and he is too busy throwing up in the airport toilet and they miss their flight he's so so anxious about leaving everything he knows so yeah this is the premise that they are you know very loving but very kind of stuck couple mm-hmm. and then out of the blue this woman comes into his shop one night and says an incomprehensible series of words to him Terry progressive listen Mandelbrot set is in motion echo choir has been breached and he gets activated and from then on everything gets really weird all these dudes keep turning up trying to kill him and he defeats them with whatever objects are to hand the first one he kills with a spoon just because it's there yeah it's the most violent scene involving a spoon yeah i've ever seen seen. yeah and it it all sort of spirals from there because it turns out that he was part of a cia training program to create kind of super secret sleeper agents or something something like that (laughs) and this has gone wrong and he'd been kind of deactivated and given this new identity in life but now because of rival factions inside the cia a rival of the woman who created this program is trying to destroy him in order to big up his own achievements with a different set of like goons that he created and so this town becomes this kind of battleground for espionage war with this guy played by jesse eisenberg at the heart going but what am i why can i kill people with my thumbs i don't know I just killed two people. <laughs> That's awesome. They had guns and knives and they were being like total dicks. Did you call the cops? No, I didn't call the police because I have like a lot of weed and like mushrooms in my car. Yeah, it's like the worst spillover of office politics of all time. And <laughs> it yes. like affects like, hundreds of civilians. Well, there's lives. a drone. There's yeah, a drone involved. A drone involved. It's, it's pretty scary stuff. But one of the things which is maybe inevitable, this kind of movie being so established now, is that you don't find out stuff with him. She's like, obviously, in the first Born movie, you're as confused as he is about what's yes. going on until that, you know, he starts to piece it together himself. Whereas in this film, you get all the context, you understand why he is like he is, even if he doesn't. Which, I don't know, does that spoil it? It kind of, it makes it a lot less, like, surprising and thrilling, I think. Yes, because even within the bounds of us sort of knowing how this genre works now, early on, we get scenes of his handlers at the CIA having arguments in corridors and stuff. Mm. So they didn't make any attempt to keep that information from us as the viewers. And I agree, I think there would have been a little bit more mileage in having us identify with him and learn at his pace. Mm -hmm. 
I, I don't know, I still found it quite charming, the unlikely superhero. Jesse Eisenberg is really good at that. He yeah. was he was very, very good at portraying the kind They're of both brilliant, I think, in it. They are, and they've got a I mean, they've got a brilliant dynamic, those two. I know they yeah. um they were in Adventureland together. Yeah, and they've got something else. They are currently I saw some pictures on Tumblr, they are currently filming the next Woody Allen film. Oh, um, interesting. Next year's Woody <laughs> Allen film, the two of them as well. I really like them both and I think they really work well together. They're a very believable couple. Yeah. And actually that was the strength of this film throughout was that you really believed in their relationship. As improbable and stupid as everything else gets, you really believe that they want to be together. Yeah, you do. And this is where I think I'm going to get a bit spoilery in the discussion. So if you want to see the movie, like, I'll ruin it for you mm-hmm. with what I'm about to say. But although we know everything about, you know, Jesse Eisenberg's spy status, what we don't know, and is we sort of learn at the same time as him, unless I was just being completely stupid, is that Kristen Stewart is not someone he's like met organically in his life. She's his old handler and she was meant to sort of debrief him after he was decided that they you know he was no longer usable by the cia and instead she sort of fell in love with him and stuck around and like quit her job basically to just like live that stoner lifestyle with him and for me that suddenly made the whole thing less not less cute or less romantic but just less believable like that scene that you're talking about at the beginning where they try to go to hawaii and then he gets so anxious that he can't get on the plane and then she's like really upset you're a bit like dick move of you to get upset when you know that the only reason he's anxious and can't leave town is because they programmed him to be so anxious he would never leave the town that they want him to stay in for the rest of his life don't get pissed off with him (laughs) yeah although i suppose she was kind of you could read it as she was more angry with the circumstances less with him yeah maybe but yeah at that point you don't know that so you're just (laughs) like it's all it confuses a lot of it for me though you know i do think that one of the problems with this film is it's so many things at once so it's like a, a kind of cute indie romance with like two charismatic leads yeah like he's drawing a graphic novel that she really likes and that's that's almost like one film in itself exactly yeah tonally it's very much that sort of like hey we're both a bit anxious and neither of us are like particularly mentally capable of navigating our worlds but we've got each other yeah uh, that sort of movie but it's also like extremely violent thriller but and at the same time it's like stoner comedy movie Mm. and for me probably the most successful of those is the sort of romance thread but altogether i was a bit like i don't really (laughs) i don't really know what this is trying to be i know and the action sequences are really good they're really slick and really surprising and inventive and stuff Mm -hmm. and there's a kind of an attitude to gore in it that i really like yeah which is it reminded me really heavily of the original RoboCop film, where you see lots of I've seen that. <laughs> where you see lots of like deliberate splats of red goo everywhere, right. and I just I really like that like hyper stylized silly mm-hmm. attitude to violence. So yeah, I really enjoyed that that part of it. But because it's trying to be so many things at once, when when it goes into that kind of sequence, all of the other threads just stop. So you get sort of like 10 minutes in the middle where they're having a kind of extreme battle in his house where he's, you know, bouncing bullets off frying pans and stuff, Mm. where just nothing else happens on any of the other fronts and you get a bit confused. Also, an awful lot of it takes place in shops. I liked that. I weirdly liked the sort of small town vibe, I think because I I had sort of mentally committed to the like indie quirky rom-com style thing. But the fact that so much of it happens specifically in like a supermarket. Oh, right. With all the like convenient knives to have. Yeah, that started, I started to tire of that towards the end. I thought, you know, you could have gone into a library or a restaurant. There are so many other places Mm. in this town that you could have had this fight in. You know, but it just seems so obvious if you're doing a kind of fighting style, you know, where he just grabs 
whatever's nearest to do it in a supermarket where he could yeah, yeah it's like just... every zombie survival movie ever they always end up in the big like yeah. supermarket with everything they could possibly need at their disposal but um i was quite committed to the vibes mm. and for me those shops were like part of the vibe but what but the film was like a whole kind of failed for me on a certain yeah level. i think it did and it's interesting that we both felt like that. Mark Kermode, when he reviewed it for Radio 5 Live, said a, a very similar thing. And he he put it as... He felt like there were, this was 17 different types of film that had all been put right. in the same bag and they were fighting to get out. Mm. I listened to that after I'd seen it. I was like, yeah, actually, that sums up quite well how yeah. I felt about it. I left the cinema thinking, like, well, I'd love to see the Apollo Ape movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which That's is the graphic novel that movie. he's working on. And you sort of get a bit of that in the credits, don't you? There's, like, an yeah, animated Apollo good. Ape sequence. I wonder if we could talk about the, just before that, though, the, like, the coda at the end of the film, which is basically after, like, all the high-stakes stuff is over, there's, like, a little sort of epilogue at the end, and Caroline and I famously don't get along with epilogues. <laughs> and we didn't... I didn't really get along with this one, did no, you? No, it made no sense whatsoever. So the whole film was, like, predicated on this idea that, like, he doesn't know what he's doing and he doesn't really want to be this amazing spy. He just wants to, like, go and smoke weed and, like, try and calm down, basically. <laughs> and then at the end, he's suddenly, like, got a haircut and looks really good. And so does Kristen Stewart. And she's, like, wearing high heels inexplicably. And they're, like, in a posh hotel. And they make out. And then they go in the lift. And they're, like, both being spies. And it's like, yeah, we were like hired. Because basically the, the, the film leaves you with no option to keep them in the town. Mm -hmm. Basically, the powers that be decide either we've got to activate him or we've got to get rid of him because he's too dangerous. So the unsatisfactory ending is like, well, we don't want them to die, so we'll just make them spies. So I like, guess we'll just lose them on the rest of the world. Exactly. Yeah. And the enemy the whole time has been the American government because they they don't seem to know what they're doing. They don't seem to care who they hurt. And like suddenly you're meant to be like, yeah, spies, rooting for you guys. Yeah. Bring down all the like foreign enemies. And you're like, no, that's no, not what I committed to at all. No, it didn't work at all. And yeah, so yet more for the epilogue suck files, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> Get ready for our latest podcast. <laughs> Epilogues suck. Um, but we should also mention, so the, the writer of this film, um, Max Landis, went on a big sort of Twitter discussion. Um, That's because a nice, you didn't go for rant there. Well, because he, I, I think he probably wanted to do a rant because I think he felt annoyed that the film really didn't do very well box office wise in America. I don't know how it's done in the UK yet. In its first weekend, like it did less well than The Man from Uncle and the new Mission Impossible reboot and stuff. And so rather than actually do a straight rant, I'm sure he was really disappointed and upset about it, mm. but he, rather than doing a straight rant, he kind of said, my film was an original screenplay, not based on anything else, not a sequel to anything. And even though it's been pretty well reviewed, it's made less money than like a reboot, a sequel, a reboot that is also a sequel. <laughs> um, what am I forced to conclude from this? That doing original stuff just doesn't work in, yeah. in movies anymore. And, but he kind of tried to throw it open as a discussion, which I guess is one way of dealing with your anger yeah. <laughs> is to try I and get... They still feel kind of bitter, these tweets. But oh, like, yeah. that's fine. You can, I, I don't really think that there's a problem with that as, as a thing. I, I found one of his phrases really funny for a start, which is that he says, American Ultra had good ads, big stars, a fun idea, and honestly, it's a good movie. Certainly better in the internet's opinion than other things released on the same day. 
babe, please let's not take the internet's opinion on anything. A great phrase, one that I will use forevermore. I think for me, if we're gonna have a discussion about why like original and great movies aren't box office hits often, American Ultra is not the film I would peg that discussion That's exactly on. how I felt as well. And I just thought he has a really good point there, which is that for whatever reason, we've got trapped in this cycle with movies where people will just go and see a sequel of anything, even if it's rubbish or... But, you know, great one-off films do still make money. Maybe this just wasn't one of them. <laughs> it's kind of the conclusion. You sort of want... I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think of a good example and I'm not coming up with them, but you... You kind of want a really exceptional film in all on all fronts. It also depends as well where where how you're kind of defining sequels and stuff. Because mm. I think if he means in terms of are part of a pre-existing successful franchise, particularly when you're talking about the kind of action movie space, then yes, you know, Mission Impossible, seventeen, seventeen, yeah. eight, or whatever they're on now. The Bourne franchise did what five yeah. things in the end. Parts of the Caribbean. Parts of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, you know, there are a lot of those, and they are definitely of questionable quality by the time you get to the end. But he also references at the end of his little Twitter outburst that. Um, He's, oh, well, back to working on my two TV shows, which are both adaptations. Right. And I don't think you should tar adaptations with the same brush as sequels or franchises. Because yeah, because that's like 12 Years of Slavery. That's 12 Years of Slavery is, is an adaptation. Like, the you know, the two kind of big British movies that made it to the Oscars, um, the last set of Oscars, were The Theory of Everything, based on the life of Stephen Hawking, mm-hmm. and um, The Imitation Game, based on the life of Alan Turing, both of which I think were adapted from books yeah. or biographies, you know. So I just don't think you're kind of talking about the same stuff there. And also this that word original becomes so slippery so quickly because you're like, what actually counts as, a, as an original film, like influence is such a difficult thing to pin down. I We both said that we felt that this film was, was quite heavily focused on a trope from many other films. So although, yes, it is, it is obviously an original screenplay in, the, in those sort of confined terms and it is original in that it is doing something new in its sort of like mishmashiness. Yeah. It's still, you know, part of a fairly fixed tradition of like films about a very specific thing. So it's hard for me to really get behind his comments. Yes, I'd agree with that. Um, but at the same time, I do sympathise when I see the how many Iron Man films there've been, how many how many franchises there are out there doing big business with little effort. So one of the things we watched on TV this week was Hunted, which is a Channel 4 kind of game show, I'm going to say, which is basically following a group of people who have all volunteered to go on the run from what they repeatedly refer to in the programme as our surveillance state. People always come up for air. It doesn't matter who you are or what you think will find you. So this idea that in our country there are tabs on everyone all the time how successful would you be if we gave you a bunch of money in a, in a bank account and 30 days to try and escape our like all-seeing eyes? So that's basically what this bunch of volunteers do. Each episode focuses on a couple of their attempts uh, to try and stay on the run for the whole month. So the first guy we see, I think, is called Dr. Ricky, and he does pretty well. I don't know what you thought of his attempts to evade the state. At the beginning, I was kind of really rooting for him because I thought he'd put a lot of thought into it. Like he'd thought ahead that, oh, well, I can't go in my car because they know the registration. So he'd arrange with a friend of his that runs a car dealership to 
you know, borrow a different car that they wouldn't associate with him. He'd thought about, I'll be safer kind of in rural areas where there aren't CCTV cameras. And, and he'd thought, well, you know, I used to work in quite a remote place in Scotland when I was younger. I'll go there because people might still remember me and then I'll have some like contacts who might help me mm-hmm. with stuff. So I was like, yeah, you've given this some thought. You haven't just kind of thrown some stuff in a bag and like run out the door, which is what some of the other people did. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I don't know, as he he was kind of pretty smug about his abilities and gradually my my sort of allegiance switched from him to the people who were hunting him because I thought you know <laughs> I find that's so funny because you know what I'd really enjoy seeing you get because I because this is the thing with the show is that I I hate being manipulated by reality tv oh right I like or put it another way obviously I like being manipulated but I don't like to know that it's yeah, happening don't I don't aware. like to be aware of it happening. and I was very aware that it was happening with this show because I could I was aware that the whole way as you say they were setting up was supposed to be about very channel four you know the the surveillance state has gone too far everyone knows too much about you already this is like a, a political pushback yeah this the tone is like so this, <laughs> this game show that these people are participating in is some kind of political protest against our surveillance culture. And I was like, no, it isn't. It's just a game show. Shut up. But I could tell that I was supposed to identify with the people on the run. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just even the way that they shoot the people. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, in the kind of the experts who are tracking them in the kind of control room, is they're supposed to look all like black and white and mean and, and grim. Whereas people on the run are supposed to look all kind of vulnerable and sympathetic and stuff. Yeah. So I didn't like that. I didn't like being forced to hate the people in the tracking room. And actually, some of them seem like really interesting people. Like this, It's obviously such a cool job. One of the things that really surprised me about this program as a whole is how much more it was about trying to understand the psyche of the person yeah. on the run than it was literally being like, oh, they made a phone call from this point. Because although one of the girls who's is it, it's Lauren or Emily, one of Emily and Lauren, yeah. uh, who are a pair of best friends who've decided to do it together. One of them has a daughter and she keeps son, making think, calls. Oh, son, son yeah. the child, yeah. <laughs> child, genderless child, um, who she like keeps calling. And you're like, you're a moron. Don't, yeah, they, don't call the kid because they'll find you. 
But this is basically not the main problem because most people are smart enough not to do that. And what the guys in their like control room mostly do is try and get into the uh, the mind of the person on the run and try and figure out patterns. As as they saw with one of the episodes with that where she again, you know, her friend had already asked her to stop doing it, so she waited until she'd gone away um, to do it. Um, so she she knows she shouldn't, but she keeps doing it anyway. And they very nearly caught them, because as soon as they made the call, they were able to get a location on them. But they knew they had to leave straight after them, and they were just lucky that, you know, because they'd been hitchhiking, that so someone went by and got them this, and they were gone. So the kind of getting into the psyche thing is trying to work out where they'll be after the next move, rather than, yes, we'll get the location data after they've done it, but that doesn't necessarily help us catch them yeah so basically there was another pair of um friends that they followed in this episode too wasn't there and they these two who were slightly older ladies they were a couple weren't they oh were they a couple sorry that was my heteronormativity a couple they got buses in a sort of loop or in a circle so they were caught really quickly because they were just fairly figure outable from the from yeah. the pattern that they'd started to make they, they, getting buses around the country they became too predictable too mm. soon because it was intrinsically quite a good idea is stay really really lo-fi just get local buses the whole time and no one will spot you but i think the problem there was that after they'd been spotted on a bus once on cctv because yeah. they were getting buses through they were sort of on the south coast when they were like in brighton and stuff yeah. um it was then kind of expected that they would continue to get buses buses have defined routes it's easy to have someone waiting at the end of a bus route and they got caught yeah and that the thing about that was though i i kind of felt instinctively like oh just avoid any sort of public like if if you can get a ticket for something to show that you've been somewhere don't do it that was my sort of instinct but what this program revealed to me that is like my instincts are totally wrong because my instincts were saying as well that ricky was doing the right thing our our doctor friend because he planned everything really meticulously and then these girls who seemed a bit like they didn't know what they were doing emily and lauren who as you say like were running out the house without even having everything packed just like threw stuff into a bag and like ran off with Mm. no no plan at all they're actually quite difficult to trace because they don't know what they're going to do next. Well, so. exactly. And that really upset me as someone who just personality-wise, I'm very much a planner and an organiser and so on. <laughs> it's like, God, I'd be terrible at this. I'd be caught immediately. Um, yeah, they because as you say, they don't know where, where they're going next um, or what they're going to do. And because they're just, so they're just hitchhiking and kind of, begging rooms on the fly and stuff they are really there's no trail there's a part if she would just stop ringing her stupid child yeah they'd be absolutely ahead of the game they just they'd be fine also i sense that they are probably going to have a massive argument and one of them's going to flounce off which is probably going to make it easier are splintering, to find. aren't they yeah <laughs> talking about the kind of chasers in this scenario i part of me was watching it and i felt really like guys why aren't you doing proper jobs because these are all like extremely qualified people they're all taking this game I don't know if how much they were briefed to be like, keep a straight face at all times, pretend like this so is life seriously. and death, yeah. even though it's a stupid program. Because yeah. they're taking it so seriously and they seem to get like genuinely frustrated mm. and stuff. And I'm like, guys, can't you just like go and like be our national security? Because and they're <laughs> we've all got so, bigger problems. You know, that when they introduce the experts, they're all so qualified. It's like, so this yeah. is a woman who was part of the team that tracked down uh, Osama bin Laden. Like, <laughs> wow, these people are amazing. Um, I'm not comforted by the fact that I'm, they're now on channel for why can't they go back to their proper jobs but um i have to say something i did find really endearing about watching them at work was how much they use google maps yeah yeah it was like (laughs) i recognize that website i use that every day i love that you know all because they've they've tried as far as possible to mimic the powers of the state yeah you know by by sort of because obviously the volunteers have 
granted full access to their lives mm-hmm. so they, they're able to like get into their Facebook accounts and mm-hmm. you know because real police would get a warrant and go and search their flat and stuff so they are able to do all that stuff and um, it's like so even you know the the government has nothing better than Google Maps yes. yeah but I feel like that's one of the kind of shocking things about it is that actually what you expect is is them to have these like amazing tools that we just like don't have access to and that's not what's happening they're just actually using information that you voluntarily give out all the time or that is quite fairly you know simple to find about you um and then they can just use that against you by like building a a sense of who you are as a person up one of the guys gets really attached to emily slash lauren when he's like researching her facebook and finding out about her son and talking to you know people who know her and you you're you're like wow he actually kind of likes her and doesn't really want her to get caught yeah (laughs) But the one part that really made my blood run cold was when they pulled up Ricky's like internet search history, oh, and, yeah. and he'd searched like how long should penis be? Average penis like can man. make penis bigger or whatever. <laughs> and I thought, oh, oh my god, god. Like, I delete my history all the time. But that it has, doesn't count. It has to be everybody's worst nightmare <laughs> is having their actual internet browsing history flashed on national television. <laughs> yeah, it'd be so scary. So watching that as well, we was just like, you're a doctor. <laughs> you know the average penis length anyway isn't that like part of your job so maybe it was a purely like professional I'm google sure. search but yeah i don't want to know how many like the, the amount of like kardashians based <laughs> internet history they could find on me <laughs> silent witness fan fiction <laughs> harry <laughs> like, no. yeah it, oh god no it'd be terrible um but overall, I really, really liked the show. Like, I thought they could have sensationalised it a lot more than they did, actually. Well, I enjoyed that sort of mm. ridiculous, high-stakes tone of it. That thrilled me. I loved it. It, was, it makes you really think, like, oh, my God, what would I do? How would I escape? But, what? yeah, no, so that, that element of it was enough. But they didn't take it that much further and, you know, make them do stupid tasks or anything like that. Right, the yeah. actual premise of it was very simple. It's like, we give you £650 or whatever for the month and off you go. Like, yeah, and there was no... There was nothing annoying, like a sort of like be cyber streetwise. Make sure you change your password. There was nothing like patronising like that in it either. No, that was that was all for you to infer, not to be to be told. I kind of was like, actually, I resist this message, and I don't really have anything to hide. Like, I actually don't really care if someone sees my like silent witness googling history. Yeah. So I felt I felt quite resistant to their like general message of like the surveillance state is a terrible thing but there was also the so that that was the overall message but then in some of the individual interviews with some of the like former coppers who were tracking Mm. them they were trying to see like yes the state absolutely needs all these powers because we absolutely need to see what this guy's published on his facebook and that was the only part of me and the best possible way for us to illustrate this is with this silly game yeah i was like no you don't really (laughs) and yeah so there were kind of conflicting messages actually coming out of it there but i am really interested to see what happens in the next episode which Mm. they trailed one of the other contestants is a muslim guy oh yeah i saw Um, that in the advert yeah yeah yeah. in the advert and i'm so interested to see how 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 much more hard it's going to be for him because he was saying in the advert like i look different to everyone else around here i've got a beard i've got dark skin and, and I i've got an enormous rucksack and i think like, he's not... he doing it with a friend and he says yeah. something like yeah two brown guys in a rucksack like what chance have we got <laughs> oh bless them i really hope that they like that that i'll be so but so that that again it's a very kind of channel four point to make but i'm kind of glad that they are making that point yeah no i i can't wait to watch the next one it's already entered my like schedule of things that i will now yeah want yeah. to watch in the week
So in our last episode, I recommended Anna a few episodes of the Radio 4 comedy sitcom Cabin Pressure. Uh, I feel very nervous about this question, incidentally, because I like this so much. But so, Anna, what did you think? Um, I thought there were bits that I liked more than other bits. So I liked it when it was very silly. So Mm, (laughs) my favourite character probably so far is Arthur, um, who is the son of the woman who owns the... What she says it can't be considered an airline because it, they've only got one jet. Because you can't put one one jet in a line, so <laughs> she calls it an air dot. Good. Now, this is Captain Martin Creef, First Officer Douglas Richardson. Hello, and no, 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 the other way around. Oh, for the love. And Arthur Shaffy Stewart. Right, so you're the advanced guard, are you? How do you mean? Well, just that the others haven't arrived yet. Which others would those be? Well, the rest of the airline. Dr. Duncan, you see before you the airline. Drink us in. There's 400 of you. Are there, though? Count again. Not 400. Four. Right. That's unfortunate. I should probably speak to catering. (laughs) Yeah, and it was, it's very, very British. Sometimes I was like, okay, I feel like this is a bit, like, smart and traditional for me, because my sort of brand of humour is always, like, very stupid. Mm. But there were moments like that that I really enjoyed. For example, uh, the saga about the cat being in the plane. Yes. Which is also a nightmare of mine, because I went to uh, a moth story slam, um, which are these, like, true-life storytelling events, and this woman told a story about how she was taking her dogs on a plane, and she was, like, terrified, because when you take animals on a plane, they go in the compartments usually just for luggage and the pilot has to remember to switch like the, the oxygen, heating on. Yeah. yeah, the oxygen and the heat on so that they don't die. And like, that is just the worst thing ever. But anyway, so that, that was like, oh God, this is really scary, but also really stupid and like silly because it was just like, oh, there might be a dead cat on the plane and blah, blah, blah. So that kind of stuff I really, I did really like enjoy and laugh out loud at, but the kind of more punny bits left me cold oh, okay because that's some of my favorite stuff part of the point of it is that yeah these people work for an airline or an air dot but um they don't have very much work mm. and even when they do it's a lot of just flying very very long ways with nothing to do so they make up word games yeah um and stuff and those are some of my favorite bits the the word games that they make up well, the only ones I have had so far is Simon Says and um, the Brian game. Okay, so there are definitely some better ones. So one of my favourite ones is called Question and Answer Film Double Bill, where you have to say two titles of films that are a question and then oh. an answer. So <laughs> like What's Eating Gilbert Grape Jaws. Yes, or um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Spider-Man. Another one that they do that I really like is, I can't remember the snappy name for it, but it's people who who should be arch enemies. So it's like uh, <laughs> David Frost and John Thor, okay, <laughs> that okay. kind of stuff. So those are almost my favourite bits, yeah. are the sort of incidental games that they play. Yeah, well, it's pretty, I, I think, yeah, it's obviously quite silly, and that's the bit that I like more. Benedict Cumberbatch could take or leave. I think yeah, it, he's just a vote. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. he's just like a voice artist in that. Like he's not anything else. Yeah, but is it John Finnemore who plays Arthur? Yes, who's also the writer of the whole thing. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense because I thought he was the funniest. Yeah. So yeah, I like him best, and then Roger Allen. Yeah, he was also good. Although, he's, the, he's the kind of older, sterner, slightly drawling kind yeah. of yeah, sarcastic, um, dry guy. I also in later series, Carolyn, who is the owner of the Air Dot and Arthur's mum. Um, you get a lot more of her and she 
Have you listened to the one that has um, Anthony Stewart head in? No. No, so that. if that comes up, I can't remember when. So he's a, a pilot for an, another airline, and I think they meet on a flight where her airline is taking them as relief pilots somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he makes some comment about how um, it's it's really nice to see you know a woman in a leadership position, and then for the entire duration of the flight, she berates him about why this is a bad thing to say, <laughs> and about how that reveals everything about sexism in the aviation industry that he is surprised that someone like her is not the stewardess and actually the CEO and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) But anyway, they end up continuing this argument over lunch and they get together. And that becomes more of a thing, is like her kind of off-screen romance with this guy. Yeah, that kind of enters it. Because he's he's sort of Roger Allen's character's old rival from back in the day. Okay, And she tries to pretend really hard that she doesn't even like him so she goes out of her way to do things that will annoy and upset him and stuff so that becomes more of a feature as well so you get more of her and also more of Angie Stewart head which I like great he has yeah a nice voice. <laughs> so I think a lot of the humor is based on their like chemistry as as like a as cast. a cast yeah so I think maybe I need to listen to a few more to really kind of appreciate that because at the moment I'm only like two or three episodes in so it's hard for me to like really appreciate like Sometimes with a, like a long-running cast, part of the joke is feeling like you've come a long way with them. Yes, that there's definitely that because they do. It was I think it was exactly twenty-six episodes altogether. So they do one for every letter of the alphabet. Oh right, um, like you are. Yes, with exactly. Um, and so yeah, so over twenty-six episodes, you get quite a lot of them. Yeah, I I recommended this to a friend of mine last year who he um he listened. I was luckily he got really into it and he listened to all of it before the final episode aired at Christmas. Um, because it suddenly occurred to me after I listened to the Christmas episode, which was the final one, and it was kind of very emotional, and the whole fandom was really, really keyed up about it, um, which was Zed for Zurich, um, that if David had not listened to all of it, it would have made absolutely no sense to him, (laughs) because it's so full of, like, tying up in-jokes and making sure every minor character ever gets a a reference right that i'm not sure it makes any sense okay as a standalone episode <laughs> well i've got plenty of time to make it through the remaining sort of like 20 episodes <laughs> or yes like for instance the there's a lot of references of lemons and otters and stuff which will make no sense to you yet no not yeah at all. this becomes very important okay well i'll i'll endeavor to keep going with it for longer but i think for me it was like hit and miss. Fair enough. So uh, what are you going to give me for next week? So for next week, I'm going to give you something quite bizarre, which is a concert film, I think is the, is the way to describe it, although it isn't really a concert film that I used to watch all the time when I was sort of 12, 13, because when I was young, I was obsessed with the Rolling Stones. So this is the Rolling Stones' Rock and Roll Circus, which is basically... a it's not that long. I think it's about 40 minutes, but you might only, you might have to do with sort of clips and stuff from YouTube, but it's really weird. It's They've basically pitched a massive tent somewhere in London and got a small audience of a couple of hundred people in there and then they like perform, but it's all interspersed with like weird things. Like all their mates are there. So Marianne Faithful does a song and like they put together a super group with John Lennon, Eric Clapton and the drummer from the Jimi Hendrix experience. Yoko Ono does something from inside a bag of burlap sack it's all like really weird and there's like a lot of audience interaction and i watched it like oh my god to be a rolling stones fan in 1969 and have gone to that must have been insane i'm sure they're all probably like models that they cast to come along i'm sure it's not (laughs) as like organic as it seems but it's really weird and i can't remember if it's good 
Mm. It might be terrible, um, but I loved it at the time. So I'll pass that over to you. I'll give it a go. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. I'm Anna. And I'm Caroline. You can find us on iTunes. Our Twitter is at SeriouslyPod. And if you want to send us an email, we're SeriouslyPod, S-R-S-L-Y, pod at gmail.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.